This is the third episode of Heating Up, part of the Las Vegas Sun podcast. I'm Arlie Rogers, a general assignment reporter with the Las Vegas Sun. In our last episode, Elizabeth Haas, the chair of the American Psychiatric Association Climate Committee, told me about the established connections between climate change and mental health. Today, we'll build on that conversation in interviews with UNLV professors Chris Carney, chair of the Department of Psychology, and Christopher Stream, director of the School of Public Policy and Leadership. Both spoke with me about how the urban heat island effect, a circumstance that makes cities and their pavement, buildings, and other heat-absorbing infrastructure hotter than neighboring rural areas, impacts the homeless as well as residents with mental health disorders. We'll start with Chris Carney, who told me about the latter. Well, heat tends to be a little bit more, it tends to affect people a little bit more in urban areas compared to rural areas because cities tend to trap heat a little bit more. There's less trees and vegetation, less open air areas where air can flow around. Um, but in general, if you have high temperatures, um, that has been linked to things like increased depression, uh, increased suicidal ideation, and suicide rates. Um, you tend to get more people that are referred to emergency rooms, um, especially if they're on medication for a mental disorder, because sometimes those medications will affect different um, areas of the brain that regulate body temperature. Um, and it's also possible that it could lead to more dehydration um, and related kind of problems. When Chris spoke about the extreme heat and its impact on people's mental health, he said the issue does not have one outcome. For example, if a low-income Las Vegas resident's air conditioning breaks in the summer and they cannot afford to fix it, they might be subject to more than an obvious impact. There's also longevity to these consequences, he said, both physically and mentally. People that are in that kind of situation, they're going to be at increased risk for dehydration. Uh, they're certainly going to be at increased risk for physical problems like heat stroke or heat exhaustion uh, that can arise from something like that. It also tends to affect people's mental uh, judgment uh, and memory kind of systems. So you tend to get um, decreased motivation, uh, more lethargy. Uh, they may be less likely to seek help uh, if they're in that kind of situation. If you look at the gradual climate change literature and its relation to mental health, I mean, a lot of times it boils down to things like depression, anxiety, suicidality, irritability, uh, domestic violence. Um, those are the major kind of mental health challenges that you tend to see that are linked to gradual climate change, more general psychological distress. A 2020 study from UNLV, the university's Lindsay Institute, and Brookings Mountain West about the urban heat island effect found that Las Vegas, quote, ranked as the most intense urban heat island in the United States in both daytime and nighttime metrics between 2004 and 2013. The same study found Las Vegas temperatures were about 24 degrees Fahrenheit above rural temperatures. And each year since 1970, the city's average temperature kept climbing. Poor air quality in the city has also been connected to negative mental impacts, Chris said. Recently, the Las Vegas Valley was witness to intense dust storms in April that fogged the sky and obscured the typically blazing sun. If you look at things like the wildfires and the windblown smoke and dust that comes into the Las Vegas area a lot, there is a relationship between short-term exposure to air pollution and visits um, to medical doctors for symptoms of depression and suicide attempts. Um, 
that seems to be especially strong among people that already had some kind of cardiovascular disease. And others have found an increase between um, a relationship between ozone and the suicide rate. If someone is already on medication for a psychiatric problem, for example, a lot of times those medications make the person more prone to things like irritability or more prone to dehydration that can come about through excess heat or other changes in climate. Um, but also people that have a lot of physical health problems, whether it's asthma or uh, diabetes or uh, cardiovascular disease, they're going to be more at risk. Probably older people as well, uh, especially if their immune systems are a little bit more compromised, uh, they could be more at risk as well. We tend to think of climate change as something that's happening in the future that we have time to sort of correct. But when we talk about mental health challenges, that's a very immediate real life, real world today kind of consequence of climate change that I think we need to take seriously. Next, we'll hear from Christopher Stream. You'll hear him talk about the topic we explored in our first episode, how climate change will disproportionately impact the homeless population in Las Vegas. Christopher also told me about the policy initiatives he thinks Las Vegas could adopt to ease this burden. The city of Las Vegas in particular has been concerned, concern, concerning itself with heat islands and that's impact on just their space. And obviously when you had density and tall buildings and all the, and all the, think of all the road construction we have going on, that really exacerbates the heat island aspects of our community. And as now we go into a space where the city of Las Vegas has passed a policy to start eliminating grass, we're going to get more heat island, right? <laughs> right? So we're trading off this water issue, right? We have a water problem. We're trading off a water problem, but are we creating a greater heat item heat island problem? That's really going to be interesting to see kind of how this trade-off begins to manifest itself in our community. Christopher said the city's response to this has been to create reactive solutions like cooling centers, hydration stations, or homeless courtyards. In our first episode, Lewis Lacey said help of Southern Nevada's homeless outreach program directs its clients to cooling centers if they're willing to go. More than a dozen cooling centers opened in Las Vegas last June in a year when extreme heat killed 37 homeless and 116 non-homeless Clark County residents, according to health district data obtained by The Sun. Homeless courtyards are renovated buildings with medical, housing, and employment services. When adapting these buildings for the homeless courtyards, Christopher said the city should consider how the renovation can offset heat in the city, as well as how the building itself will be a refuge from the heat. There was no retrofitting of that building in terms of a, of a green building structure to also think about, they just assumed shade and indoors was enough for the, the reduction of the heat, right? Instead of thinking, how can this be a pilot or a model of how green building, rethinking rooftops, um, green rooftop areas and things that other urban communities are thinking of. We never, we didn't do that, right? We put services in a space, um, but we also didn't think about the physical structure of the space quite as much other than its location, which was convenient. I think there's a general session or general idea that, well, if we're going to save the environment and deal with climate change, we're going to hurt ourselves economically uh, and we're going to possibly exacerbate other social problems with homelessness and, 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 and those kinds of issues. And what I'm arguing is we need to think more about that, those connections because that's how the, the entire community responds and can be resilient in, in times of, of extreme heat 
or weather or whatever, uh, whatever, whatever can happen. Certainly, as you look at communities in hurricane ravaged areas, right along the Gulf Coast, uh, uh, Miami, you see infrastructure discussion happening about how buildings can be more resilient to the the years of of climate and weather that face them, right? We've thought of heat as something that we repel and keep cool internal, but we have not thought about how we connect it to the resiliency of our cities and our populations. And that's a little bit of where we need to go, I think, uh, as a community. The iconic Las Vegas skyline is defined by its tall buildings, the rolling highways, the glowing neon signs. What if, Christopher asked, our step toward a green future in Las Vegas is rebranding the city? He outlines a new vision for Las Vegas, one where the natural spaces are as important a tourist attraction as the casinos and their towering buildings are. We've never really advertised ourselves that way, right? Uh, the Bellagio, uh, the casinos, in all due uh, respect to them, don't want you to leave. <laughs> their properties. <laughs> they want you to stay there. And now tourists are looking at Red Rock and state parks and national parks around us. And Las Vegas is an incredible opportunity because our airport and our location to incredible natural scenic areas, uh, as well as the urban entertainment hub of what's going on. And it really creates incredible, exciting opportunities for us to change a little bit of the image of our city of a place where you walk into a building with no clocks. This podcast was hosted and edited by general assignment reporter Arlie Rogers. Heating Up was made possible thanks to managing editor Ray Brewer, political reporter Jessica Hill, and the rest of the Las Vegas Sun staff. We'll continue to show highlights of our reporting over the next few weeks. Thanks for listening, and you'll hear from us soon.